0: podcast listeners welcome to another edition of pwc connections the podcast we're back in the bucket for another episode we have a very interesting topic another great guest but let me introduce my co-host none other than miss
1: i'm courtney lucas courtney what's going on Hey, things are going well how are things with you
0: going well going well i think last episode i had nicole in the bucket i was a little worried i scared you off like (laughs) What did I do? I, I'm wearing deodorant.
1: I want to spread the wealth. Nicole needs some shine, too.
0: That's true. That's true. We are a team. Yeah. And this time in the bucket, we got the head honcho yeah. of the electric systems, our chief operating officer for electric systems, Mr. John Wren. What's going on, John?
2: Oh, just, uh, just happy to be here today. We're Absolutely. happy to have you. Absolutely.
0: Thanks. Yeah. Uh, we know you're a very busy guy. Uh, you're kind of one of the ones chiefly responsible for us having power in this city. Thank you, sir. <laughs> right.
1: of <course>. Thank you. <laughs> yes.
0: But uh, rather than me go into it, if you would just talk about your title and how long you've been with PwC.
2: Sure. Uh, I'm the chief operating officer for electrical systems. Uh, I will have been with PwC five years in December. Wow. Um, so this is my 28th year in public power. Uh, I started basically right out of right out of college, uh, working for a utility in Illinois um, that was directly adjacent to where I grew up. Um, And so I've been been in this industry quite a long time. Wow.
0: Okay, let's let's talk about that. Let's chase that rabbit. Where are you from? You said directly from where you grew up? and, And how did you get to this point?
2: Uh, I was uh, I was from Geneva Illinois which is a little town outside of Chicago okay uh, one of the towns actually that experienced like exponential growth in the 90s and 2000s uh, being a suburb of Chicago um, and and I went to Northern Illinois University and Illinois Institute of Technology I have a couple of different degrees in engineering and uh, ended up working for my my hometown style utility in St Charles Illinois and uh, basically progressed from there um, to Jamestown, New York, which was in the, s- the snow belt in New York and was the utilities director for New Bern for about nine years before coming to Fayetteville.
0: Okay. Wow. Yeah, definitely a uh, very decorated pass. <laughs> yeah, apparently. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so now as the, the chief operating officer, kind of what does that look like on a day to day?
2: So I have uh, the Butler Warner generation plant, our substation and uh, complex metering installations, electrical engineering, electric construction, and power supply and compliance uh, are, are my my areas. So basically all all things electrical except for sending out the bills and collecting money yeah <laughs> uh, so everything kind of behind the scenes that that keeps the lights on and and uh, you know make sure that we have what we need when we need it.
0: Okay so, we're here to talk about a very interesting topic or one that, you know, people in the public power community may be familiar with, but maybe not everyone else in our community. So there is a project called the Light Up the Navajo Nation uh, project. John, what's the background on that?
2: So uh, Light Up Navajo is a project that was uh, started by uh, their their CEO, uh, Walter Haas. Okay. Um, I have a relationship to Walter. Uh, Wally was actually my mentor. He was the guy that hired me back in 1993 in St. Charles. Wow. And I worked for him uh, for over a decade between working at St. Charles and then working in Jamestown, New York, where he was the general manager of the utility there. Wally then went on to become the CEO and general manager of the Navajo Tribal Utility Agency. And in his tenure there, He has been working towards electrification for folks that live on the reservation out in Arizona, New Mexico, and in that area. And he has about 15,000 customers that don't have, they don't have electricity. So they're not customers at this point. They are water customers of his. And when I say that, because they don't have electricity, they don't even have running water. So they actually have to come to watering stations that the utility operates on a weekly basis and fill up a big water tank in a pickup truck in order to provide water to their families. This so they, is in
1: 2021.
2: It is. So they live in such a, a primitive state, so so remote that there's no electrical lines, they have no lighting, no refrigeration, and they don't have the power to run pumps, to have running water. So this is this is their life. Is that basically they have to be concerned with you know getting fresh clean water every week or so, and uh, you know doing things completely different than the modern conveniences that we have today. So it's it's really a different a different uh, look at life than what most of us enjoy. And Wally identified that one of the mechanisms to try and alleviate this problem was to use a form of mutual aid. So typically that happens during a storm where utilities call upon others to come and assist them in repairing damage and getting their systems back up. But he wanted to use mutual aid to bring resources in to actually bring power to a lot of these, these, these farms and, and homes that are very remote on the reservation there. And so he started that process and many like us that are part of the American Public Power Association responded to that call. And we wanted to send resources to to help do that effort. Um, So to put it into perspective, like these folks live miles and miles and miles away from the nearest point of attachment for electricity. So the first year that they were out there, The crews uh, worked for for numerous months, and out of the 15,000 folks that don't have electricity, they were only able to get 300 of those hooked up. Wow. Because there's so much line that has to be put in and so many poles that have to be put in just to get to one customer that it takes a lot of time. And so... This is going to be a continuing project for them. So the second year, we signed up to send a crew out there to actually participate in this this effort, also. And COVID basically just completely got in the way of that. Um, COVID unfortunately had a very very negative impact on the Navajo uh, uh, reservation and on their their area there. Um, you know, being so remote, they had a lot of difficulty with you know, communicating about the dangers of it. And it's a very familial structure there. So, you know, like it it got there was a lot of transmission. So they, they basically had to close everything down, shut everything off and not have people come from the outside. Right. So they did that. Um, so we were not able to actually go out in that phase of light up Navajo. Um, but we are trying to muster up a crew to go in 2022 in the next phase. And hopefully, you know, with with the situation improving at that point, uh, we'll be able to send our crew out there to continue, you know, hooking up more and more folks.
1: Sending our crew, what will that look like? Are they going to drive our bucket trucks no. out there or,
2: okay. <laughs> no, because it is so far away, um, we'll fly the guys out with their tools and, uh, they'll lease, uh, the equipment they need to do the work. So, uh, also, a lot of what's going to go on out there is going to be the old style of line work where they're going to be climbing poles and doing things manually because the areas that they're going to be in are just not that accessible okay so it's going to be a lot of it's a lot of slow hard work so, so. we
1: have to make sure we send the right guys who are ready for that kind of
2: hard work all our guys are ready for that yeah that's true. <laughs> so that's true. we don't have that issue they, they in fact a lot of the guys that signed up for it Uh, there are a lot of the same folks that also participate on our, our rodeo teams. Mm -hmm. Uh, they're very into doing that work, very into their craft. And, you know, this was a mechanism for them to really bring what they know how to do to folks and and fill a need. That's, that's very, very needed. I think that's awesome.
0: Yeah. Looking at the website, it says this area makes up 75% of all unelectrified households in the U S so Wow. Yeah, this is a significant project.
2: Yeah, it's hard to believe that's, you know, kind of in the middle of the United States and all these folks don't have the, the basic necessities that we all enjoy.
0: Now, did we find out about this project through the APPA or was it because of your relationship or?
2: It was both. I okay. mean, uh, I, I could tell you that Wally told me that he was going to do this uh, before it, it became public at APPA and asked, you know, would we be interested in in participating in, in that type of activity? I said, I'm sure, I'm sure that we would, so.
1: And we recently received an award for our willingness to participate. Can yeah. you tell us about that?
2: Yeah, at, at the latest APPA national conference, which was in June, um, NTUA wanted to recognize all the utilities that were willing to come out and assist them in this effort. And even though we didn't get to go, they wanted to make sure that it was noticed and it was shown their appreciation for the willingness to come and do this work. And so we were one of the utilities that was presented an award at the public power conference, you know, showing that we were willing to put our resources, you know towards this effort and to do this.
1: Can you talk a little bit about the importance of mutual aid?
2: Sure. Um, for us, particularly where you know we get affected by hurricanes quite often, Mutual aid is a really critical element to us being able to respond very effectively. Um, PwC in particular uses both mutual aid and contract labor during those periods of time, but really uh, having utilities that are in your state That are more familiar with your area respond as mutual aid is very very effective for doing restoration and getting things done quicker you just don't have uh as much of a a disconnect or a learning curve with folks that already know your area can come in we all use a lot of the same standards for construction we use a lot of the same voltages on our systems so the folks are more familiar with our our electric system than they would be if they're a contractor coming from a completely different part of the United States. And it it basically is a two-way street, but we respond to other utilities when they need assistance, and we, we get response from utilities that are unaffected by the storm when we need it. And unfortunately, because we are in such a hurricane-prone area, we seem to end up with mutual aid coming to respond to us, maybe more than folks that live like in the Midwest or or other places. But uh, it, it is a really critical element of us being able to do such an efficient job of getting our systems restored after natural disasters.
1: So here at PwC, we are proactive. Um, It being hurricane season, when we get word that there's a hurricane churning out in the Atlantic, do you get on the phone with some of our um, our counterparts and just say, hey, this is coming our way, get on standby or what do you do?
2: Well, actually, we are part of a joint action agency, Electricities, and they are actually our mutual aid coordinator for this entire region. So they're monitoring those storms just like we are and then we interface with our our coordinator about okay where does it look like the storm's going to be having the most effect which utilities do we think are going to have direct impacts that they need to do restoration and which utilities in the state are going to have no no impact at all that can do you know response to that so they coordinate between those two groups who needs resources and who has them and basically we just talk to them in a group format and say, okay, we're going to need this many crews with this. Or they tell us, hey, we need this many. And we, we participate in that back and forth uh, every time that there's a storm that's that's coming through.
1: I think that's awesome. And I think our customers should take solace in that, knowing that you know, we're, we're prepared. And when something happens, we're going to get their power back on.
2: Very much so. That's really, you know, I hate to say it, but it's the most basic function that we have. Is to make sure that you know the lines are up, that that the system's safe, and that you know people have the power that they need to to you know live their lives.
1: So pivoting back to the light up Navajo, um, as someone who's been in the industry as long as you have, what does it mean to you to be able to bring power to these customers who don't have it yet? These
2: people? Oh, I, I see it as a tremendous opportunity. I mean, if you see any of the videos that are associated with this project. Um, The people that have power for the first time in their lives or even, you know, generations of people that live in these homes for the first time, it is, it is amazing. I mean, it's, I can't see where there could be any greater feeling than, you know, bringing that type of resource to somebody that's never had it.
1: I agree. I have seen some of those videos and some of the quotes are just, they want to make you cry Almost People are just so grateful and thankful and appreciative that you know, these utilities from around the country are coming to them to help them get get their lights.
2: Yeah. And we heard from some of the line workers that went and participated in this project, and they got a tremendous sense of accomplishment and pride in doing this work. So I think that was a, of a very, very high value.
0: The resource for that is publicpower.org light up Navajo publicpower.org, light up Navajo, more information about this project, as well as some of the videos that we're referencing right now. Uh, one one last thing, John, with COVID, uh, you, you spoke about it. how they had to make adjustments out there. How have we had to make adjustments, but still been able to provide reliable services?
2: Well, it, it's been a really exciting uh, <laughs> 18 months as far <laughs> as that goes.
0: Exciting. That's
2: a um, good word. We have had to do a lot of things to try and make sure that our our crews in both the line area, the substations area, and also our our control and dispatch rooms uh, were were safe. Um, So there's been a lot of logistics that have gone on where we've separated their show up times and their go home times. There's been a lot of things that went on with uh, sequestering folks at the beginning. Um, We have rules about. Uh, Making sure that the guys are wearing their masks when they're, you know, they can't social distance from each other and they're not outside. Um, So this is a whole new element to just trying to come to work and deal with a dangerous entity on a daily basis uh, to also have to deal with, uh, you know, a pandemic that's, you know, affecting a lot of people that we need to make sure that the critical folks that, you know, keep the lights on for our customers can can do that job. Um, and try to keep them safe, and try to make sure that you know they 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 are healthy and that they can respond when they need to, and that's not that easy. I mean, it's it's uh, it's a struggle, I think, for all of us because of of just you know they already have a pretty complex job to do, and then we also throw in all of this other stuff. Like, okay, show up at this time. You're not really communicating like you used to. Um, you're having to wear a mask. You're having to do all these things. And so we've really kind of scrambled, uh, you know, the what what it looks like to come to work on a daily basis for a, for a lot of our crews and the rest for a long time now. Um, so it's it's been a challenge for sure. But me...
0: <clears throat> well, I definitely want to say thank you for uh, <laughs> helping us keep power going and helping all the citizens and our customers uh, know that we can continue to provide reliable services. This has definitely been adjustment for us all, but I'm sure for our uh, Our line workers and uh big thanks and yes yeah i guess we got to keep churning
2: yes yeah uh it's it it really is uh it really is a testament to those guys and their adaptability that they can still do what they do even with all these other things going on and you know they really haven't missed a beat in the last 18 months even even with the complexities they've had to face so they've they've done a tremendous job
1: pat on the back all around yes
0: well, John, I want to thank you for joining us and talking about this project, taking the time to jump in the bucket with us. And is this our, his first time being this a guest? This is
2: John's first time. Wow! I was here for community solar. You? <laughs> that might have been one that I missed. Yeah, yeah. So, yes. Well, thanks for coming
0: back yes. and joining us and being a guest again. And hopefully you'll join us again if we have some other topics. Sure. Courtney, you got anything?
1: I just hope everyone has a, a great day. And remember, you can find us on your favorite podcast listening platform. We are free. Just type in PwC Connections, the podcast, and you can listen to all of our episodes.
0: That's right. And check out our social media platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Nextdoor, F-A-Y-P-W-C. Uh, We're also putting information out there on LinkedIn if you are interested in joining your hometown utility for a career opportunity. This has been another episode of PwC Connections, the podcast. Thank you for joining us. Share this episode and all other episodes. Go to our website for more information, www.faypwc.com. We'll catch you next time. Take care.